0: You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you inspiration and resources to help you discover and live from your truest self. Follow along on social media at Collected Workshops, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and to learn more. The Collected Podcast is sponsored by Clean Juice, a certified organic nutrition and wellness bar with more than 100 locations in development in 16 states. Learn more at cleanjuice.com.
1: Welcome to episode 27 of The Collected Podcast. I'm Michaela Hooper. I'm Tia McNally. And I'm Jess Fiondo. You guys, we have an incredible treat for you. Beth Guckenberger is with us. And I just want to say, first of all, that um, she is filled with stories of faith, mm-hmm. um, constant trust and reliance on God mm-hmm. from the get-go. Mm-hmm. I mean, the start of her interview, and I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. I want to binge on her books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seven of them Seven.
2: too. Seven books. Incredible. I'll keep you busy for a day or two. There were
3: a lot of surprises in this interview for me. Yeah.
2: And it's a timely word, you guys. So Beth and her husband, um, for those of you who don't know, they founded Back to Back Ministries, which is a global orphan care uh, ministry. They're in
3: how many countries is she's a did she bunch.
2: Say, like, nine like nine think, countries yeah. um they have over 300 staffers now and she and her husband started this just with giving God their yes with just the two of them um and the money they had in savings um and just like giving God their yes over and over and over um to reach out to these kids who yeah like people weren't giving mm-hmm. any attention to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and speaking of giving your yes to kids, <laughs> how'd you like that
3: segue girls? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, so we are super excited to let you guys know that we are going to do our, a second year of Collected Camp yes. in the Lake Norman area, mm-hmm. just north of Charlotte, North Carolina. So if you live in the area, please visit collectedworkshops.com slash collected dash camp. Uh, if you have middle or high school girls, we would love to serve and pour into them. Girls, why don't you tell a little bit about Collected Camp? Like, what what can people expect yeah, for sure. their kids?
2: Um, it's a day camp, mm-hmm. and the hours this year will be 9 to 2. two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I lead... Creativity exercises. And last year we did hand lettering and painting and um, just had a lot of free space to create whatever was on their hearts. And it was really, really fun. And I'm already planning some new out of the box painting activities and just artistic expression activities for next year. Mm.
1: Yeah, our time at camp also consists of worship, um, teaching um, from Tia and Jess and I as well. But um, one thing that I loved. That I love getting to do, and we'll do again this year, is just is spending time in worship together, Yeah. and um, creating space for the girls to connect with the Father, mm-hmm. and um, guiding them through that, so that. It's not just in camp, but it's something that they can do every day. That's great. Mm-hmm. So, And yeah. reminding them who they are in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: So you guys definitely be sure to follow us at Collected Podcasts. I'm sorry, at Collected Workshops on Instagram, because I'm going to be sharing some of the comments from the survey we did at the end of camp last year um, on our Instagram story. And you're definitely going to want to hear these comments. It's incredible what God did in the hearts of these girls in just one week. Um, also I wanted to let everybody know that there are incentives for patrons so if you yes. are a patron at any level there are discounts and incentives freebies even um, if you register your girls for collected camps so go check out uh, patreon.com slash collected
2: the collected podcast awesome. and now here's our interview with Beth Guggenberger of fact-to-fact Fact ministries Hi, Beth. Welcome to The Collected
4: Podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me.
3: We are so excited to hear all of your incredible stories and to let our listeners hear about the amazing work that you do. And I would love to hear about the beginnings of Back-to-Back Ministries. Would you mind telling us a little bit about how that got started and kind of where you are today?
4: Oh, sure. Absolutely. And the my husband and I graduated from Indiana University, and we had the summers free because we were teachers. And so at our local church, we were volunteering in the youth ministry, and our youth pastor said, hey, you have the summers free. You obviously like kids, and you're not afraid of airplanes. We had been on lots of mission trips in, during our college years, and and he's like, why don't you take our high school kids on a mission trip? So all through the mid-90s, like 93, 94, 95, 96. We took kids on high school um, mission trips to the country of Mexico. And it was it was going pretty well. But the summer of 96, um, <laughs> we were partnering with a local church who had asked us to paint the exterior wall of their um, property from blue to green. But the only problem was the year before, we painted it from green to blue. And Aww. I realized that they were really just trying to keep us busy. They weren't necessarily engaging us in the work that that they felt God had called them to. And so the second to last day, I said to my husband, hey, there's got to be something else we can do. And he he just looked at me exasperated and said, do you think there are any orphanages in this city? And I said, I don't have any idea, but let's find out. So we jumped in a taxi cab. We didn't speak any Spanish, just kind of bumbled our way with Spanish accents through English words. And they took us to an orphanage. And eventually that director of that children's home told us, hey, the The kids haven't had meat in over a year, and the front windows are broken. And we had told him we had $200, U.S. 20 high school kids, and a complete day left on our trip. And what would he do with those resources? And so the next day, we brought our students, and I was um, Todd was fixing the windows with some people. I was helping out behind a griddle. When he was done, he came down to watch what I was up to. And he pointed out this preschool girl and said, "Um, did you see her? And I said, oh, my gosh, she's so cute. I can't keep my eyes off of her. And he said, well. She's been in your line like five times, and I don't know any preschooler who can eat five burgers, so why don't you find out where the food's going? So the next time she came up for some more food, I followed her, and we got to the door frame of her dorm room, and she scampered off with her little preschool buddies, and I could see from my vantage point that they, the preschoolers were helping each other lift up their mattresses, and they were sticking the burgers underneath them. Oh, and goodness. And Chad and I just stood in that door frame and thought about all the people we knew who would help a child eat a hamburger if they just knew how to get to them. So mm-hmm. that was kind of the impetus. That The following year, we had double income, no kids. So we saved up our salary for a year, and we moved to Mexico the following year, um, this, the summer of 1997. And um, back-to-back ministry started with just the two of us in Monterey, Mexico. And today, uh, today we we're about 300 staff in nine locations around the world. Wow. We, but I always say, like, oh, I stand on this long line of people throughout history that were ill-equipped and immature and ill-prepared. And because at the end of the day, God wants glory for the stories He tells. And yeah. there was so much uh, we did not know in the beginning, <laughs> for sure.
2: Wow. That well, is incredible. And I love that you still gave God your yes, even though you didn't have all the answers yet. And you didn't know what was in store and you didn't feel fully equipped. You still just took the next step.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very much, actually, I'm still doing that. I mean, yeah. still today, there's a lot of yeses without understanding what's next. In fact, I've been telling everybody that my 2018 word of the year, like God doesn't always give me a word for the year, but I felt like last year he gave me this word. It was a Hebrew word, um, heneni. And it's used eight times in the Old Testament. And one of the stories is like Moses in front of the burning bush. God calls down to Moses and he responds, "Hineni" in Hebrew. And Abraham's on his way up a mountain with Isaac, thinking he's going to sacrifice his son. And God called down to Abraham and Abraham responds with the word "Hineni," which we translate in English as here I am. But really in Hebrew, it means whatever it is you're about to ask of me, I'm already in agreement of it. Mm. And... I've been saying, like, I want us to have a spirit of haneni. Like, I don't want to count the cost. I don't want to talk myself out of it. I don't want to assume I'm not enough. What if God's calling my name? I just want to say yes. If you're asking of me of it, then yes. The answer is yes, yes, yes. And so that did not. I mean, it certainly happened that summer of '96 and '97. But it's it really actually is a daily practice.
2: Mm, as you've continued to give God your yes, what would you say are some surprising doors that He's opened? along the way that you would have never expected?
4: (laughs) Well, we have 10 children, so (laughs) whoa, (laughs) (laughs) that that was a big yes I was not expecting. (laughs) But um, we built our family biologically through adoption and um, through foster care. And I think that I never imagined that we would have a family of that size. And I can't imagine today our family without any of those people in it in the way in which they have blessed and we're the sum of more than all the parts. And that was a, there was a, um, a decided posture that I took when we began to build our family that God, you know, you know, who's who you want in this family for their sake, who you want in this family for our sake, who you want in their family, who you want to be siblings. Like if you, if, if you will build our family intentionally, we will steward and shepherd them. Mm. So that's probably one of the biggest, uh, I wasn't expecting it responses to Yes.
2: That is absolutely amazing. Wow. Um, Has there ever been a time in your life when you've questioned the path that you're on?
4: Yeah, always. I mean, I I think whenever things get hard, in the aftermath of hard, you realize, wow, I grew, I stretched, I trusted. And so you're like, I'm so glad that that hard was hard because I am now who I am today because I walked through that or persevered in it. But when you hit hard in the beginning, you're like, what in the world? Maybe, maybe this isn't what we're supposed to do. Maybe this is. So I think one of the most obvious examples for me is I worked really, really, really hard to get a particular child into my family through foster care. I rallied and lobbied and campaigned and insisted. And, and it finally happened. And she was 12 years old. And it was much harder than I thought it was going to be. Hmm. And at many points in the following years um, that she lived with us, I was, until she got healthier and more healed, but when she was still kind of in her emotional angsty s- season, I was like, I'm just kidding. I did not ask for this. I did not want this. This is this is taking too much for me. There's no way, Lord, you want me to spend this much energy on one person. Mm. But in the aftermath of that, I realized that's all. that's all God modeled. He left the 99 for the one. I mean, he's mm. always seeking out the one. One is always worth it for him. And... I realized, you know, absolutely God used our family to help bring healing into her life, but God used her to bring healing into my life and in the aftermath of her. and, And today, when I look back on that season, I'm really grateful. But no, not always in the moment. There are lots of days I'm like, are you sure this is still what you want for us?
3: Yeah. 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 Have there been any doors that have opened for you that you never would have seen coming in front of you?
4: Definitely. The, the, the author piece, I didn't go seeking out to be an author. I wasn't like secretly fantasizing about writing books. Um, I, didn't, I wasn't even a journal keeper. So when um, someone came to our campus who represented a, a sizable publishing company, asked if I would be interested in writing a book, I actually told them no for two straight years. Which wow. now I think to myself, what was I thinking? Because I, I love writing now and I love expressing myself that way. But in the beginning, I was afraid, and and I, I, was af- I was afraid, of course, that I wouldn't be good enough, but I was also afraid I didn't have time for it. Mm. And I was afraid, I was imagining on a scale of 1 to 10 that I needed to immediately perform at a 10, and I thought, my gosh, I don't even know how to do 2 and 3 and 5 and 7, so mm. I can't g- get up there to a 10. And that, that book writing process taught me, like, you actually just start. Yeah. Writing and then you figure out where you are and then you, you get practice and you get edited and you get feedback and you get better and, and then eventually you create something that represents what you want to say and, um, yeah, uh, writing is not a part of my identity, but it's a really, I'm grateful that it's a part of my calling.
3: That's awesome. So, would you say that that's how you kind of got past that fear in the beginning? Is just starting.
4: Oh, totally starting. And the funny story about the first book I wrote was called Reckless Faith. And I had it. I was so naive to the process. I had not ever backed it up or emailed it to myself. It really just lived on the hard drive of my laptop. And the week before it was due, um, I had fasted for 10 days to finish it. And I was writing everywhere. And I had taken it in my car to write during um, one of my children's athletic practices. And when I When their practice was over, they didn't see where I was parked. So I jumped out of my car for like literally two minutes to yell, hey, I'm over here. And when I turned around, someone had smashed the window of my car and taken that computer. So I told the publishing company, just kidding. I'm not going to be able to get that done. I, I appreciate the opportunity, but I don't think I'll be able to do it. And they reminded me I had signed a contract and had a commitment that I needed to uphold. And so I checked into a hotel. And I remember redrafting the table of contents and crying my eyes out, like, I could not believe I have to do this again. But this, the first time I wrote it, it's what I thought I was supposed to tell the world. And the second time I wrote it, I was much more in a broken place. And I wrote instead what God had told me. Mm-hmm. And it was, a, it was just a more effective message. And I, in the beginning, I was like, oh, my gosh, it was spiritual warfare, and the enemy took it. But after a while, I was like, oh, I actually think it was a branch that wasn't going to bear any fruit. And probably wow. God himself cut that off. And, and so today when I communicate on stages or in the other seven books I ended up writing, it was more about this is what God has taught me instead of what I think I know that God is supposed to teach you.
3: So we just had uh, Women's Empowerment Day. And a few weeks ago, did you know that it was like— like National Toast Day. Yeah, toast. Equally important. (laughs) They're kind of on the same level, especially when it comes to avocado toast. Mm -hmm. Oh, and where can you get a good avocado toast, Tia? Well, I got mine at Clean Juice Davidson. Ooh. (laughs) Seriously, though, I had not tried their toast before. Mm -hmm. And because of Toast Day, I saw them promoting it on social media. I went and tried it. Their avocado toast is incredible. They Mm -hmm. mix like lemon juice and then they have like a, a seasoning that they sprinkle on top it's like a red pepper seasoning oh man it's, it's yummy. so tasty you guys so
2: mm-hmm.
3: one more amazing product that you can try at clean juice and it we want to it
2: surprising me I know mm-hmm. I know
3: you guys mm-hmm. definitely be sure to check out your closest clean juice
2: yeah download the app and they have all the locations in there you can put in your zip code and find one close to you and yeah not just juices smoothies acai bowls and toast toast mm-hmm.
1: It's really delicious. Um, If you're out of state, there is probably a clean juice Mm -hmm. like somewhere in your state. 16 states. If you, you know, if you have to drive a little ways, don't hesitate. It's so worth it. Worth it.
3: So, yeah, pick up clean juice. Thanks for sponsoring us, clean juice. We love you.
2: In that first book, you tell a story about meat. That is one of my favorite stories to this day and still gives me the chills. Could you share that with our listeners?
4: Yes, of course. So uh, I had been in the United States and had been speaking. And after I was done talking, this man from the U.S. audience came up to me and said that he traveled to the city we were living in, Monterey, Mexico, on business. And that the next time he was in town, he had hoped that he could come and see the children's homes we served. So we exchanged business cards, but I totally lost his card. And... I remembered meeting him. I remembered his name, but four months later when he called me, I just kind of faked my way through the conversation. Like, Oh yeah, Carlos, I remember you. And he told me where he was going to be at the end of the work day. And and I made arrangements for us to go pick him up and take him out to dinner and show him around. But when I had the phone, my husband was like, well, who was that? And I'm like, Carlos. And he's like, Carlos who? And I'm like, I actually don't remember his last name. He's like, oh, what's he in town for? I'm like, I forget who he works for. <laughs> he was like, we're not going to go meet someone I've ever met. A, you, know, like, you don't know anything about him. I'm like, I met him in a church. I'm sure he's fine. But anyway, Todd, made it, Todd decided to go down um, to the convention center where he had been doing business that day and check him out himself without us taking our family down there to someone that we didn't know. That same day, one of the children's homes that we served there Um, the director of that children's home woke up and only had enough money in his petty cash box to pay for a brunch meal on It was a Saturday for the kids that lived in his children's home. And he probably should have called us because once he bought the ingredients for that, that brunch meal, he didn't have any more money and they didn't have any more food and they, they had no way of feeding that those kids for dinner. I would have immediately run him over a emergency kit of beans and rice and eggs and oil and tortilla. But, he was starting to get afraid. The kids were putting us in a place only God belonged. So, instead of calling us later that day, he called everyone back to the to the um, dining room around 4:30 in the afternoon, and he said, "I know there's nothing cooking right now, but we're going to pray in advance and ask God to bless a meal that we believe He'll bring for us." The kids didn't really know what to do. They told me later they thought that was strange, but they they started to pray with Edgar for a dinner that wasn't on the table. And one of the boys, he was four years old, he interrupted the the prayer time, because four year olds don't sit very well in prayer times, and he said, Tio, 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 which means uncle in Spanish. And Edgar allowed himself to be interrupted, and he looked at Joel, and he said, what's, what's going on? And he said, are we praying that God brings us dinner? And Edgar said, yeah, we're praying God brings us dinner. And Paul was like, well, what kind of dinner does God bring you? And... Edgar goes, I don't know what kind of dinner God's going to bring you, but I know that you are some of his most favorite children. And they went back to praying again, and Quail's little brain was, like, kind of spinning, just thinking and thinking, and he interrupted again the prayer time. And he's like, Tio, Tio, Tio. Um, So I think if he's God, I think he's going to bring meat. And because, you know, in a children's time, they've had their share of beans and rice and eggs and eggs. Edgar goes, well, okay, um, we can pray for some meat. And they started to initiate prayer again, but well interrupted for the third and final time. He's like, do, do, And everybody was like, what, Joel?" And he's like, what kind of meat do you think God's going to bring? And Edgar ended up quoting to him a verse that talks about how Jesus owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And he's like, I don't know what kind of meat he's going to bring. And Paul's like, I know. I think if he's God, he's going to bring steak. And they began to pray for steak. Meanwhile, Todd calls me and he's like, hey, Beth, um, don't come down here. We have tons of products that Carlos um, can't take back over the border. And he's gotten some other vendors around him to donate. And so I'm just filling up the back of the pickup truck. We don't have enough room at the house for us to store it. So are you just going to load up and just drive around to the children's homes and donate everything? Will you just call ahead and make sure everybody's home and can receive it? And I was like, sure. And um, so I hung up the phone with him, and the first place I called was Edgar. Edgar's just a few um, blocks from the convention center. And I was like, hey, Edgar, it's Beth. I was just wondering if um, you are around Todd's on its way over with a donation. And he's like, yeah, I'm I'm here. What's he going to be bringing over? And I said, I don't actually really know the details. I just know he wanted me to make sure you had room in your freezer. And Edgar said, yeah, I've got some room in my freezer. And so um, I'm getting ready to hang up with him. And he said, Beth, Beth, do you know what he's bringing for the freezer? And I said, "I, I don't really know. I know there's a big meat convention going on downtown. So I'm assuming it's something like that, but I don't really know. And he's like, we're about ready to hang up again. And he's like, Beth, I'm so sorry. Would you mind finding out exactly what kind of meat that he's bringing? And I was like, sure. So I called Todd back and I was like, I don't know when we got so picky in the orphan business, but Edgar would like to know exactly what kind of meat (laughs) that we are bringing. And he said, Beth, your friend Carlos works for the John Morrell Meat Company, and he's here trying to attract some new restaurant business. So it's like these most incredible cuts of filet mignon and New York strip and T-bone and sirloin. And he's like, I don't even know if they know how to fix it, but I'm on my way over with it. So I hung up with Todd, and I called Edgar. I'm like, Edgar, hey, listen, it's like all the right letters you want with your meat. It's like USDA and Choice A, and it's like incredible cuts of Mignon in New York Strip and T-bone and sirloin. He holds the phone away from his mouth and he yells to the kids, "Hey kids, God's on his way over with your steak!"
3: <laughs> oh my gosh!
4: <laughs> yes.
3: Wow. Yeah. You know, I know, Beth. That makes me feel almost a little convicted. Like, shouldn't we all be more like little Paul and yeah. be expecting steak? Yeah, <laughs> like that's what the father wants to give us. Like he wants to lavish us, and sometimes we're like. Just some rice and beans will do, Lord. Yeah. And he's like, But I'm holding steak, you know?
4: Absolutely. Wow. Rice and beans fills you up, but it's actually pretty cheap. And yeah. I I I think it's what we get when we call out to man and we try to solve our problems and our own resources. Mm. We can get beans and rice and eggs and oil and tortilla, but it's not very it's not it's not God's best and not what he wants. So I always am encouraged by that story mainly because I think You know, Joao had the faith the size of a mustard seed. He's a four-year-old orphan. I mean, it's not very much faith there, but it's it's just always been dependent on what God's already done and not dependent on what I bring to the table. So for me in circumstances where I'm like, God, I don't know how you're going to do this. I don't know how you're going to make a way. I don't know how you're going to fix this. I don't know what it looks like on the other side of whatever it is that I'm facing. It's like, oh, gosh, I can just— Hold on to my little mustard seed and know that mm. you know, you've already done everything required. I just I just need to have faith and hold on.
2: Wow. Mm. And I feel like that's, too, what he has done in back-to-back Back with yes. just the places he's brought you and um, just all the people you're reaching now. Can you fill us in a little bit about where back-to-back to Back is today and the work that you're doing for the kingdom of God?
4: Absolutely. We are um, in nine different locations around the world. So India and Nigeria and Haiti, Dominican Republic and Mexico and here in the United States. And oh, wow. It's fun to watch. Um, we really are trying with everything that we can um, to, to create opportunities, spaces inside of children's homes and community centers for children to feel known and loved, for them to be seen. And we do that through the five point child development plan. So we make sure kids needs are being met spiritually and physically and emotionally and um, (laughs) socially and educationally. We really want to come around alongside of those kids and put safe adults in their lives that cheer them on all the way until they get to adulthood. So there's just lots of challenges in that work, different um, obstacles we face as you work with kids from hurt places or kids that work in trauma. But um, we're, we're just trying every year to improve on what it is to grow and understand and partner and collaborate and um, we we developed a trauma training a couple years ago with in conjunction with a couple just stellar staff that we brought on um, who have you know more than 40 years of experience working with kids from hard places and that trauma training has really unlocked for us some some real growth and success in kids just you don't know what you don't know until you know it and and we're trying to give that training away as much as possible to Partner organization, so that together we can just keep advancing the kingdom in this vulnerable child space.
3: Wow. Beth, I'm going to want to have a side conversation with you about that for our partner yeah. organization called Flourish Kenya. But that's for another time. First, I want, that's- as we kind of wrap up our time together, um, I would love to know how you, like, what are some practical tips you could give our listeners? about how you care for yourself in the same way that you care for those kids. Like if you talk about the five point development child development plan, like how do you care for your soul?
4: Oh, you know, I, I just recently had this big, like, aha, I think for me, the area of self-care, i have not traditionally been all that great at it. You know, a mom of 10 kids and I'm busy ministry and
0: all the things that I'm doing.
4: Yeah. But I was, um, I was asked by my church recently to do a, to teach on the area of rest, and I would always thought of rest like a timeout, and I don't like being timed out, so I, that's why I've kind of always resisted some of those self-care principles, but I, um, I looked up rest in Hebrew, which is kind of where I always start, and I learned it's this little word, hakaso, and it means to rest, to be still, to be quiet, and it's, of course, all over the Bible, but I couldn't believe when I found it. In Genesis chapter 4, this passage I've taught tons of times, it's when God's talking to Cain and he says to Cain, sin is crouching at your door. You need to master it or it'll master you. And of course, Cain doesn't master it and he kills his brother Abel. Mm. And I always, when I'm teaching it normally, I'm like, the sin at my door is different than the sin at your door. And then we go into generational patterns and all that. But the line right before that, it says in English, if you do it as well, your face will be lifted up. If you mm. do not do it as well, then sin is crouching at your door. Wow. But it's really that hakasso verb. So really, it's better translated like, if you do rest, if you are still, if you are quiet, then your face will be lifted up. But if you aren't still, if you aren't rested, if you aren't quiet, then sin is at your door, crouching, ready to master you. And I got this like, aha for myself that, oh my gosh, rest is actually a weapon. It's not a timeout. It's a weapon I can use so that I can keep advancing the kingdom and not let the sin in my life stop me or... take me off track or cause me to fall in any way. Like that that whole idea of resting is actually something, a rhythm God designed so that I would stay strong. So anyway, God's messing with my mind right now. I'm trying to do a better job of doing it than I ever have.
3: That is incredible. I'm like My jaw is on the floor right now, Beth. That is yeah. a word for yeah. this day, for sure. I was studying rest this morning doing a mm. word study. So I just feel... Like, that was for today. Um, yeah. Another thing I wanted to throw in, too, was um, when you mentioned Hanani, mm-hmm. you should go and listen to episode 14. And listeners, you should go back and listen to it as well to hear our friend Scott Volk from Together for Israel. That's mm-hmm. kind of his, his key word that he mm-hmm. teaches on a lot as well. So, yeah, you might enjoy kind of hearing his, of his take on that, too, episode 14 with Scott Volk. Perfect.
4: Yeah, I love – people say to me sometimes, like, what do you have to say that's unique or what is back-to-back doing different than other people? What's your distinguisher? And I'm always saying, Hey, I don't want to sound like different than everybody else. If I'm the only one tuned into a channel and no one else is tuned into that channel, it's probably the wrong channel Mm. because God's talking to his bride all the time. So I love that another brother in Christ who's doing his work is hearing that same word. That makes, that feels like confirmation to me. So
3: 100%, you know, we hear a lot of people talking about the same message that we have here collected with identity and purpose and calling and i just recently at a gathering for some other writers i just had a woman ask me i don't know how to i don't know how to talk to you about this but we sort of write about the same thing and i don't want to step on your toes i was like stop right there let mm-hmm. the choir sing mm-hmm. imagine if all these voices mm-hmm. are singing in harmony with our different nuances to the message just Mm -hmm. it gets louder and louder and more and more beautiful. So yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Beth, I don't want to stop talking to you. I wish we could go on for an hour or
2: more. (laughs) (laughs) So so our final question for you, because we love to leave our listeners with practical tips of how they can remain rooted in their identities. So do you Mm -hmm. have any tips or resources or anything, just a final word for our listeners?
4: Yes. I, I was actually thinking about this for a while before I got on, and I think it's about having the right kind of friends in your life that tell you the truth, that don't tell you what you want to hear, and that um, reflect back to you who you are, where you're growing, where you've been. I think um, I think God created us to live in community, so mm. there it's easy to just put our best foot forward. It's easy to give the impression that things are easier than they are or, but having good relationships, whether that's a marriage relationship or a sibling relationship or um, a friendship relationship, having real people in your life who know real time realities for you, give you a chance to, I mean, for everything from as simple as outward process to tell you truth when you they understand that you've been believing a lie to someone who holds you accountable and challenges you. So I think, one of the ways in which I've kept my true identity is, is just having people around me who really know me.
2: Mm. That's a good word. Yeah. Well, Beth, thank you. thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It was so Absolutely. good to talk to you.
4: Yes. You too, guys. You and too. Thanks for having me.
3: You bet. We're going to put all the ways to, to follow and get in touch with you in our show notes so the listeners That's can
2: kind of keep in touch. And check out your books. Yes. Um, yes. Listeners, check her out because they're amazing Yeah, and inspiring. Thanks, Thanks again, guys.
4: Beth. You're welcome. Have a great day.
1: You too. Thank you. Like I said before, story upon story, Beth shared her faith um, and trust in the Lord and giving her a yes, which that's so much of who we are at Collected, yeah. um, giving your yes before you know, saying yes to whatever it is mm-hmm. that God has because you trust that God's faithful, yeah. mm-hmm. that He is provider, and um, so many other things. And Beth, I mean, all, every story, I felt like mm-hmm. there was always a point at which she had to say yes, or she and her husband they said yes, and yeah, like, they they got to partake yeah. of the goodness. Like it was just like we said yes and. We didn't know exactly what it's going to look like, and then they got to be blown away. Even and, the tentative yes, yes, right? With the
3: guy Carlos at the convention center. Right. The meat guy. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I feel like it's reasonable for a man to be protective of his family and, mm-hmm. and to say, you know what? We don't even know who this guy is. Let's just not do that. Like, that would have been mm-hmm. fair in my mm-hmm. mind, but imagine the blessing that they would have missed out on had they let fear hold them back. Yeah. So that courage that he had to go ahead and go and meet him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not knowing what to expect. Yeah. And the, and oh that little boy Paul.
2: Mm-hmm. Actually, Joel. Joel? Joel. Yeah. Hoel. Oh, yeah. Hoel. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought
3: she said Paul. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> okay. Oh, that's my husband's name. I know. He loves steak. He loves that? That's awesome. <laughs> One thing that I love she said, she said, rice and beans fills you up, but it's cheap. Mm. Rice and beans fills you up, but it's cheap. So, yes, good point. Mm-hmm. Like it serves a purpose. Yeah, but there was something far greater that little Huel was asking for. And how often do we just ask for the bare minimum mm-hmm. when God's like, I have so much more for you. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Mm-hmm. Like. D- Ask, ask me for what you want. ask me. Well,
2: sometimes it's not even about what we're asking for. It's like, okay, on my own, I can make X, Y, and Z happen. Mm-hmm. So we don't even ask God because I know if I go to man, I can get my needs met at a basic, mm-hmm. you know, human. Yes. Um, my needs met at a most basic level of, in, you know, this metaphor, rice and beans. But how much greater when I go to God and I don't just strive to make it happen Mm -hmm. on my own. And I'm doing my work. and I'm doing my part. But I'm also seeking the Lord and being willing to go to new places with Him. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, I wrote down what she said um, as just a a soundbite that I want to keep forever. It says... Our faith should be dependent on what God has already done, yep. not what I bring to the table. Yes. Yeah. That bit me hard. I was like, okay. Yeah. Dang. I very often mm-hmm. will think of what's possible based on what I can pull off. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting on a great big, I can't do this without you, Lord, right now trying to get back to Kenya. So I get, I get that feeling of like, yeah. you've done it before, so I'm, I believe that you're going to do it again. Amen. So yeah, it's a wild ride but it's it's a fun one
2: yeah Yeah. well and that she's so far into this journey with back to back and she said every day is still new and god Mm -hmm. is still surprising her and there's always like more places to go to in your journey with the lord we've never arrived anywhere yeah Mm -hmm. and that's what makes it so exciting for sure
3: well guys we hope that you enjoy the ride this week and we will meet you back here next thursday
0: Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you would help spread the word. Check back here for weekly episodes dropping every Thursday. You can follow Collected on social media at Collected Workshops. Find The Collected Podcast on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Become a patron for as little as $1 a month to gain access to bonus content, early bird ticket sales, exclusive contests, and more. You can also find Tia at Tia McNally Notes, Jess at Spreza Foundry, and Michaela at The Creative Space NC. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to prevent and support unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. Support for The Collected Podcast is provided by Clean Juice. Learn more at cleanjuice.com. And be sure to check out their lifestyle arm at wellhappyandkind.com. Podcast recorded by Jacob Early. Music by Asaf Alon.